join me in our responsive welcome. No matter who you are or where you are in life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, or Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. Good morning, friends. What it is, joy it is to be together on this cold morning. I hope that the warmth of community is filling your soul, whether you are joining us here in the sanctuary or are warm and cozy with something hot to drink at home. Uh, it is good to be together however we are together. I'm Amelia Richardson-Dress. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I'm one of the pastors here at UCC Longmont, and along with Reverend Sarah Verasco, with our music team, Robert and Sam, with our AV um, and many volunteers, as well as our nursery staff in the back, welcome. When we gather each and every Sunday morning, we welcome each other, saying together, no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And with that welcome lingering here in this space, and hopefully you feel it extending to you if you are joining us from somewhere else, let us take a moment just to breathe together to settle our minds and our bodies a little more deeply for this moment and this time. Friends, know that that breath is available to you today and throughout this week. Whenever you need to return to it, it brings to you the blessing and the presence of God. And now let us join by standing together and singing Be Now My Vision as our children and families bring forward the light.
And friends, let us continue together with the gathering words as they're printed in your bulletin or as they appear on your screen. Wisdom calls. She stands at the crossroads beside the gate in front of the town, crying. So we come today to listen. You have Children's Church today. Uh, Christina Edstrom is leading, so any of the young people who would like to join, Christina can meet her right at the back. She's standing and waving for you. Um, the kids will be going down to room 12, which is just down the hall. They'll return before the end of the service to make it easy to connect with their grown-ups. And of course, kids are always welcome here in the sanctuary. There's a coloring table at the back for anybody who would find that helpful, uh, who enjoys keeping their hands busy while they are listening, and the nursery is staffed as well. There was an article uh, right around the new year by Melissa Kirsch, who wrote, around a, wrote about a New Year's Eve tradition that she has. And what she does is that rather than choosing a New Year's resolution, she gathers together with her family and her friends, and they do something like a secret Santa, but with resolutions. So each person writes down a resolution, and they put it in a hat, and then everyone draws one. So last year, Kirsch drew the resolution to put away her clothes every night, rather than letting them pile up on a chair or a bed or wherever her clothes normally piled up in her room. A friend of hers got the much more whimsical resolution to get out of bed every day and wiggle their fingers and say, it's showtime. <laughs> when I read this story, I wondered if anybody was collecting these bits of wisdom from year to year, because I thought it would be really interesting to see what a group of people would come up with over time and kind of what values and goals and ideals would emerge from a group as they were all trying to live their best lives and help their friends do the same. If they did collect them, I think that they might end up with something similar to the book of Proverbs, which is mostly what it sounds like. It is a list of sayings and guidelines for right living. So in there, there are things like a scoundrel and a villain goes around with crooked speech, or treasures gained by wickedness do not profit. This one may sound familiar. You may know it from Paul. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. And then this one, uh, may have inspired the fable about the ant and the grasshopper. Um, it says, go to the ant, you lazy bones. Consider its ways and be wise. Without having any chief or officer or ruler, it prepares its food in the summer and gathers its sustenance in harvest. 
So there's a lot of things like that in Proverbs. But in addition to that, the book also has something like a tribute to wisdom itself. And in the book of Proverbs, it's more like her self. Proverbs really personifies wisdom and sees wisdom as this person, this being that was the first act of creation. So in Proverbs 8.22, it has wisdom herself saying, God formed me from the beginning before God created anything else. And we had a little taste of that. Uh, kind of personification of wisdom in our gathering words this morning, which was based off of Proverbs 8. And um, in that, wisdom is calling in the streets for people, welcoming them to come forward and learn. There's a sense of intimacy or closeness that comes when we think of wisdom that way. It sort of reminds us that wisdom is worked out over time, like a relationship. But that also, like a relationship, we start with some good foundations. In his book, Chasing Wisdom, Daniel Goth compares wisdom to playing jazz. And I want to read to you just a little bit from that. He says, all great jazz musicians have at least three things in common. They have gone into the practice room and they have internalized all of the scales until they can play them forward and backward. Two, they have put in the time to learn all of the standard jazz songs. And three, they can play every one of those standards in any key. And then he goes on to say, if these three things are in place, knowing all the scales and all the songs in any key, a great jazz musician can walk into any club, in any night, in any city, and be ready to play. Living a life of wisdom is a lot like becoming a great jazz soloist. As counterintuitive as it may seem, we have to practice for spontaneity. We have to do our homework ahead of time so that we are able to creatively improvise when the moment arises. And I think that aspect of creative improvisation, of practicing for spontaneity is important because what is right in one setting may not be right in another setting. Advice needs anchors. It's why we end up with contradictory guidance in the Bible. Things that are important at one time may have shifted for a different time. And it's also why we can't treat the Bible like a blanket rule book. Wisdom isn't just about knowledge. It is also about figuring out what to do in a time of decision. It's the ability to discern, to know right from wrong. And in the Bible, we often think of King Solomon as the person who was um, a personification of wisdom. He was renowned for being a wise ruler. And if you're familiar with his story, the story that usually goes along with that is the story about the two mothers who came to him with a question because both of them claimed to be the mother of a baby. And he resolved that 
um, in a creative and unusual way, but I want to turn instead to the story that comes immediately before that story. This is how Solomon came to be wise. And we are reading from 1 Kings 3, verses 5 through 12. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I should give you. And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, my father David because he walked before you in faithfulness and in righteousness. And in uprightness of heart towards you, and you have kept for him this great and steadfast love. And so now, God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, although I am only a little child before you, and I do not know how to go out or come in. And I am in the midst of the people whom you have chosen, a great people, so numerous they cannot be numbered or counted. Give me, then, an understanding mind to govern your people, to be able to discern between good and evil, for who can do this job? It pleased God that Solomon had asked this, and God said to him, because you have asked this, and you have asked for yourself long life or riches, or for the, but not, I'm sorry, <laughs> because you have asked for this, then not for long life or riches or for the life of your enemies, because you have asked to understand what is right, I give you this according to your word. I give you a wise and discerning mind. No one has been seen before like you, and no one like you will arise after. I think of Solomon in that moment as demonstrating a certain amount of conscious incompetence. It reminds me a little bit of the paradox of the man who will come to Jesus later and say, Lord, I believe help my unbelief. Solomon's wisdom in that moment is that he knows what he doesn't know. And there's a naked vulnerability in that. I wonder if that's why it had to happen in a dream, in that place where we are just a little bit more likely to let our fears and our hopes have free reign. In so much of life, for King Solomon then and for us now, we are expected to have it all together. And if we don't have it all together, we are expected to um, pretend like we do, really. We have adages in our time like, fake it until you make it, and project confidence, and never let them see you sweat. But it's hard to gain wisdom if we are always pretending to know more than we do or if we're always assuming to know more than we do, which I think is another trap that sometimes we fall into. Wisdom doesn't just take practice, it takes humility. But in that life of wisdom, there is an adage that holds up fairly well, 
And I think that it is to pay attention to whether the choices that you are making are we choices or me choices. When we hear this story of King Solomon, it helps us see that wisdom is rarely a singular pursuit. It's usually something that we seek out in community, and we seek it out for the good of community. Solomon sought wisdom because he recognized the position that he held. He wanted to lead with justice and the part of the soul that just cries out at night chose that over asking for wealth or land or whatever else we might be tempted to seek out when we are listening to all of the other influences around us. That's what I mean by a we choice versus a me choice. The news this week has certainly illustrated, once again, as if we need more illustration, the heartbreaking tragedies that result when people choose power and domination over wisdom and justice. And it illustrates why each of us has to be in relentless pursuit of wisdom and of wise living. We are confronted daily with choices about who we are. And when we practice discerning wisdom in those moments, we will find it easier to discern wisdom when the chips are down and the choices are hard. And so this morning we are going to experiment, play even, with a practice called the examine. Have any of you used this in your spiritual lives or in a community setting? Some, and also many of us get to be introduced to it, which is really fun. There are a lot of variations um, on this practice, but they all take us through several movements of reflection and of prayer, and then of looking forward into what's coming up in our day so that we can see where wisdom might be calling out to us. And when you do it on your own, you can do it pretty slowly. Um, it's also a great practice for journaling. That's how I prefer to do it. But it, today, in the interest of time, we're gonna move through it a little more quickly. And we're going to do it in a meditative, a guided meditative uh, fashion. So let's begin by just returning to that breath that we found when we first arrived. You might need to adjust your posture if you've noticed you've been sitting in one way for a few minutes and are feeling a little tense or stiff. And our first step here is going to be to Ask God for light. So you can close your eyes if that's comfortable or soften your gaze. And then notice again that breath, the breath that connects you to God and to the universe. Notice the light in the room that you are in. Even if your eyes are closed, you can notice that light. And notice whether it's sunlight or light from a lamp or candlelight. But notice how it surrounds you. How when you are looking, it lets you see the things that are always there. 
and let that light become for you now a representation of the light of Christ. And we pray together. Creator God, who knows and loves each of us, shine your gentle light into our souls. Illuminate for us the nooks and crannies of our deepest selves. Open us to you, knowing that you meet our deepest fears, our places of shame or guilt, our confusions, even our hard edges with love. And so in this time, we do not shrink from your light. We move towards it, the way a houseplant turns its leaves towards a window. And we rest. And now from this place of gentle, loving light, we begin to draw our attention to gratitude. So notice now the things that you are grateful for in this moment. And as things begin to come to your mind, let your gratefulness expand. You might notice that it begins in the center of your chest and then deepens. You might notice even that it becomes more emotional or brighter. As you sit with that gratitude, see if you notice physical sensations. Maybe a tingling in your arms, or even a tightness in your throat as that emotion comes forward. And just welcome each of these feelings, even if they're new, or if they're taking you to a place of vulnerability that you usually avoid. And we pray together, Creator God, who gives all good things, we are grateful. Help us to be grateful. As we turn to this next movement, we review our morning so far, or our day so far, if you're practicing this later. And you can just look back on it like it's a movie or a book? How did you wake up? What did you do after you got out of bed? And there's no agenda here, there's no judgment, just review and we're going to leave a moment of silence for that. now we turn to a step that is sometimes called uh, facing your shortcomings or turning to confession. 
And we want to begin this by remembering that we are held still in that gentle light of God. It is a light that only has love for us. So just notice the places that came up for you in your review that felt like shortcomings. Where were the places that anger overtook love or that resentment overshadowed helpfulness? And as you're doing this, remember that we're bringing this forward not from a place of shame, but from the recognition that humility begins in honesty and that God's love holds all of us. And so we pray together. Creator God, who stands in the streets with open arms, who sees every piece of us, not just our failures, who promises us renewal, we trust in this path of forgiveness. We know that you are always there to show us a new way, and we thank you. For those we have hurt, for the hurts that we have inflicted on ourselves even, we ask your soothing balm, and we ask for the strength to make repairs where needed. And in our last step this morning, we look toward the day to come. So let your mind wander to those things that are on your to-do list, the things we intentionally set aside when we gathered first together this morning. What is it that is on your calendar? What are your hopes for today? Who are the people that you will encounter? And as your mind looks ahead, make room for the places, the things, the people that you do not know yet will be put before you. And so we end by praying together. God, for each thing that is ahead of us today, we ask your wisdom. Show us the way of humility, the way of conscious incompetence, so that we might come to know what we don't know. Show us the way of courage, so that we choose a path of justice. And in each of the choices that we face, help us turn to you, trusting that you are already turning to us and that the voice of wisdom does indeed call for us in the streets. And so together we close our practice with a breath and by saying together, Amen. There may be things that you are still pondering um, 
from that. And so as we turn to a time of music, I let those things, I invite you to let those things just wash over you. Just notice again where wisdom is calling for you. And know that if there was something in that practice that was sparked for you, it's one that you can always return to in your day-to-day lives. Let us rise in spirit and sing, Wisdom Shows Us Peaceful Pathways. enter into this time of prayer, I invite you to open your mind and heart to the cares and concerns of our broader community, to the places where pain and the misuse or the misapplication of power intersect. Let's take a moment to see what comes to mind and heart and to offer prayers of wisdom and light love and reconciliation where they are needed. And in that same spirit for prayers for the life of the world, we turn to the wisdom of Jesus as we say together this interpretation of Jesus' prayer that he taught to all of his disciples. We'll pray the words as they are written in your bulletin or as they appear on your screen. Eternal spirit, source of all that is and ever shall be, loving parent, in whom we discern heaven. May knowledge of your holiness inspire all peoples, and may your commonwealth of peace and freedom flourish on earth 
until all of humankind heed your call to justice and compassion. May we find the bread that we need for today and for the hurts we cause one another, may we be forgiven in the same measure that we forgive. In times of trial and temptation, help us to be strong. When life seems overwhelming, help us to endure. And thus, from the yoke of sin, deliver us. May you reign in the power of human love, now and forever. Amen.